Hey, welcome to the online ministry at Coastal Community Church. I want to thank you so much for checking us out, and we're so grateful that these sermons online are benefiting uh, your spiritual growth. Uh, but one of the things we have a deep conviction of at Coastal Community Church is that you're a part of a local church. And so uh, while we want these sermons to supplement your spiritual growth, we also want to encourage you to find a local church. So if you're in our community, we'd love for you to visit us. Check us out. We're on 101 Village Avenue in Yorktown, and uh, we have three service times on Sunday morning that you can see if you can be a part of our community. The service times are 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and so we'd love for you to visit us. Um, when you visit us this summer, we're going to be doing a, a new series called One, and uh, we're going to be taking our church body through uh, the letter of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that Paul writes a letter to the church of Corinth. And the, the letter is written because Paul is horrified to find out that this church is not unified together as a body um, to make Jesus Christ famous in their community. And I find that interesting because we we live in a culture where I think sometimes we're uh, shocked when a church is working in unity. And so that's what we want to be, a coastal community church. We want to be a church that works in unity uh, so that we can better uplift the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So I hope you'll join us for this new series as we go through 1 Corinthians. The series is called One. Wonderful. How are we doing this morning? We're good? It's the, it feels like summer, so I broke out the summer shirt for some of you that can see it. It's these little flower things or whatever. Old Navy, 10 bucks if you want to get there. Um, we're going to have fun this morning, and we're going to study and look and examine God's Word. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we're continuing on with the series that Pastor Sean began several weeks ago called One. And this morning we're going to be talking about one leader, one leadership, one followership, and of course Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul sets up the idea, and Pastor Joey did an incredible job last week of just kind of setting up this idea and this concept of that we are one, that we are under Jesus Christ's authority and what's interesting about the book of 1 Corinthians, this was the earliest New Testament book ever written. So if you're looking at what was the very first book in the New Testament written, it was 1 Corinthians. And the Apostle Paul wrote this very early on in regards to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is significant as we get to chapter 15. But the Apostle Paul so is kind of giving some structure and some organizational ideas to this early church. Now think about the early church in the sense of it's just a bunch of people that love Jesus. They're going house to house. They're caring for each other. Acts chapter 2. And then the apostle Paul goes to these on this missionary journey and he visits these places and he starts these churches. And then the apostle Paul writes these letters to kind of talk about the church and some things that the church should be doing. And in the church of Corinth, they have a lot of paganism that's kind of enter, enter into it. A lot of hedonism, a lot of isms that have kind of infiltrated what's going on in the church. And so the Apostle Paul then, when he gets to chapter 4, he sets up this idea of leadership and followership. The idea of roles that we as Christians are to play. And he talks about his role and his role in regards to leadership. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to read this. Let's look at this together. Verse 1, this is how one should regard us. Well, who's, the, who's us? Back up to verse 22 of chapter 3. 
Well, verse 21, so let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, Peter, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. Now, verse 1. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Verse 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from the Lord." I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If you then received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Now, Paul starts to get a little sarcastic here. And I want you to hear it. It's dripping. It gets real good. Here's some sarcasm in the scripture. Verse 8. Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did did reign so that we might share the rule with you. Verse 9. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all. Like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor working with our own hands... When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Everybody's got daddy issues. Church of Corinth is no different. For I became your father in Christ, Jesus, through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you to my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out Not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. Verse 20, for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love 
and a spirit of gentleness. Let's pray. Precious Father, I just pray, Lord, in the next few moments that you would illuminate your word to us. You would open our eyes to the sarcasm and the, the, the harsh talk by the Apostle Paul in regards to leaders, leadership, followership, Lord. I pray, God, you would teach us what you want us to learn. I pray that you would challenge us, Lord God, to move from followers to leaders, Lord God, that you would engage us. You've equipped us. You've given us everything we need for life and godliness, and we are grateful. And so now, God, I pray, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would illuminate your word to us. Change us and transform us by your power, Lord, for it is more than talk. It is your power. Lord God, as always, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Hey, anything with two heads is a monster. If you say we're co-leading something, that's a joke. Because it's a monster. Inevitably, you will always go to the other to get what you want. Let me give you an example. My, par- my, my parents, I have three brothers. I have an older brother, two younger twin brothers. Mom was always soft in us staying out late. Dad was always hard in that. So when we went out, if dad wasn't around or if he wasn't close, we would always ask mom, mom, what time do we need to be home? We didn't go to dad because dad would say, well, you should be home now. Mowing the lawn or something. Dad, it's 10 o'clock at night. I don't care. Mom was a little more gracious. Well, a respectable girl should be home probably by about 11. But if you're going to a movie, 11.30, okay, 12.30. Yeah. Okay, Mom, we'll be home at 12.30. No, it's the idea that you play one against the other. And the Apostle Paul was talking about this in the church of Corinth where the early church was playing one leader against another. And the Apostle Paul was talking about this idea of, no, there's one leadership. There's one spiritual leader. There's one apostle. The Apostle Paul and his authority. And there's one goal in leadership. So the Apostle Paul starts talking about these roles and these characteristics of what the leaders ought to be and what the leaders ought to do. So anything with two heads is a monster. The church in Corinth did not have a leader problem, though. They had a leadership and followership problem. And I'll explain what that means. The church really did not want to follow because they did not want to submit to the leaders that God had already installed. See, the issue wasn't a leadership issue because the apostle Paul knew what God had called him to do. Paulos knew what he was called to do and they were doing it. The problem was with the early church, they had a submission problem. And so thus they had one willing to step up in leadership. However, every church, they, they had no one that was willing to step up to be that leader. It was much easier for you to cast stones at the leader or it was much easier for you to do something other than what the leader wanted in the name of godliness because they didn't want to step up and be leaders or they didn't want to be a part of the leadership of what was going on in the early church. And so therefore now the Apostle Paul in chapter 4 gets to the point of saying, okay, let me define for you what a leader is, what's followership, and what's leadership. 
because they weren't doing any of those well. And the Apostle Paul was calling them to something greater. And what was happening was because of the immorality in the church, because of the lack of submission to the leadership in the church, they continued to do their own thing. When you think about Israel in the book of Judges, it says, And there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in their own eyes. When there's no leader, then all of a sudden everybody kind of has this idea of group thought. You guys know what group thought is? Whoever speaks the loudest and the most emphatically that sounds reasonably right, everybody goes, yeah, 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 that sounds good. The Apostle John talks about this in regards to the way that the disciples heard Judas and how the Apostle John says that, yeah, we were all in agreement, but Judas said this because he was a liar and a thief and we were susceptible to that group thought. And so the idea, though, was they didn't submit. They'd fallen into some group thought in some areas. And the Apostle Paul now starts to define the roles of what the leader is, what the follower is, and what the leadership or what leadership should be. And so the idea, then, is every Christian could submit to Christ in the church by recognizing the three roles that are necessary for unity in the church. Remember, the entire goal here is unity. So if you're taking notes, pull out your pen, your lipstick, mascara, whatever you want to write on this paper, but pull it out because we're going to go through it and we're going to go through it because we need to understand this because I believe that God is calling Coastal Community Church to something greater. And for us to be something more than we are right now, then God is calling some of you to a place of leadership or greater leadership than maybe where you are right now. So buckle up and let's get ready, okay? Here we go. Number one, the role of the Christian leader. What does the Apostle Paul say right at the beginning? He says, hey, I want you to regard us as servants of Christ, leaders as servants. We have to come with the mindset of not large and in charge, superhero style, but the idea of John chapter 13, Jesus kneeling down and washing the feet of the disciples. The idea of servant. It's that idea of God is calling me and making me be a leader. And therefore, that means I'm going to serve. It means I'm going to be the first one here. I'm going to be the last one to leave. It's going to be what do you need to accomplish the things that God has you to do. It's adding value to other people's lives. It's not about you. Not about what you want. Not about what makes you feel good. It's about looking and saying, where can I serve? Oftentimes, Pastor Sean we have, by the way, we have a servant leader. Our pastor is a servant leader. And so therefore, if you have a problem submitting to him, I have a problem. Because this man is a humble servant. And oftentimes, most people come to him when they want to step into leadership. They don't come and say, hey, how can I serve you or how can I serve Coastal? No, what they, most people come to him and they say, hey, this is what I want to do. See the difference? 
He's constantly asking the staff and a lot of you high-level leaders, how can I serve you? How can I resource you? How can I help you accomplish the work that God has called you to do? That's what Coastal's been built upon. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Jesus is talking to his disciples. So if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, the reality is you need to be servant. You want to be a great leader? It's kind of different from the world. It's not about getting your Twitter account out first. Or standing in front of everybody, reminding everybody who you are and how great you are. It's about coming and taking the cloth or the towel and wrapping it around your waist and kneeling down and washing people's feet. Secondly, the role of the Christian leader, the Apostle Paul, in teaching the early church, he said, leaders are always faithful. Leader as always faithful. Leader is always faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Look over there real fast if you still have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians. It says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, the leader is always faithful. That's what it means to be a steward of the mysteries. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Another word for that word trustworthy is faithful. The New Living actually translates that word trustworthy as faithful. It's the idea that you would be found faithful. That no matter what's going on, you're going to be faithful. No matter who comes against you or what people say against you, that you would be found faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the call and to the work that he has created you for. Leaders have to be always faithful. It's that idea no matter what comes against you, that you would be found trustworthy and faithful. And the Apostle Paul says, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. So he starts to transition here in this passage of Scripture. But he's saying, you've got to be faithful. Listen, faithfulness marks consistent faithfulness. I I guess that's that's kind of redundancy. But it's this idea that it's what marks godliness. That you would consistently do the right thing at the right time. All the time, no matter what the cost. In the small things, in the large things, it matters not. You are going to be faithful. The leader is faithful. Third, leader is secure in Christ. So when he starts to talk about the human court, I don't have myself judged. I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted as the Lord who judges me. You know why he's saying that? Is because the early, you can read 2 Corinthians because the whole 2 Corinthians kind of really gets into this because it had kind of festered and it kind of grown out of this where the, the church of Jesus Christ in Corinth wasn't submitting to the authority, the, op, the apostolic authority of the apostle Paul. And so he has to defend his apostleship. So in 2 Corinthians, it really does take root in this. But it's this idea that Paul's, the Apostle Paul's basically saying, look, I'm secure in Christ. I don't really even care what you think about me. Because I'm doing what God has called me to do. Apollos is doing what God has called. The Apostle Peter's doing what, what Peter's called to do. We're doing what we're called to do. 
And Pastor Joey talked about it last week. In fact, I read a commentary um, this week about this. And basically, the idea was the Apostle Paul was a little, grotesque little man. That was kind of a know-it-all. Is the way that he came across. And so the Apostle Paul, in his humility, is basically saying, listen, I know that God is going to judge me and judge me more severely. I know who I am. Christian leaders are the ones that say this, I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I know what God has called me to do, and I know where I'm going when I die. And there's nothing anyone can say about that because God's going to judge me. Woo! That we would have Christian leaders like that today. We do. We have one. It's someone who's going to make the right decision all the time. The leader's secure in Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. It says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. It's the idea of no matter what happens to you in this life, no matter what people say about you, your salvation, your relationship with Jesus Christ is solid, secure, and no one can take it from you. Do we lead out of that? Or do we lead out of the fact of like me, like me, do we lead out of the fact of popularity? It's the idea that at the end of the message, our pastor doesn't get off the stage looking to, to hear you say, hey, that was a great message. No, because here's the deal. The, the, our pastor, his job is to communicate the word of God and the word of God to take it and to implant it in your hearts. And sometimes that's convicting and sometimes that's unpopular, and sometimes that's hard for us to hear, and we, and guess what? He's just being obedient to God because he knows that God's going to judge him if he doesn't. And that's the example of leadership that we're to follow. That we're to be secure in the fact that, you know what, God, everything you asked me to say, I said. Everything you asked me to do, I did. In 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, he said, hey, basically that's what he says. He says, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I finished the course. And now I'm looking heavenly to the crowns that God has in store for me. Do we lead out of what's popular or do we lead out of security in Jesus Christ? There's a way big difference between that. So what's the role of the Christian leader? It's to lead your followers through servant actions. And to look to please Jesus Christ. Look what the Apostle Paul says there. For do not pronounce judgment before the time. Before the Lord comes who will bring to light the things now hidden in the darkness. And disclose the purposes of the heart. See God's not just going to judge us based upon what we do. He's going to be based upon the reasons of why we do it. And if that doesn't scare you enough, then each one will receive the commendation from God. And Paul says, I've applied all these things to myself and for your benefit. See, 
It's to lead your followers through servant actions and to look to please Jesus Christ. It's that story of that piano player, that young cocky piano player that gets up and, and he's, he's pounding out this piano piece and it's this incredible piece. It's the very first piece that he plays and this concert hall is full and this is his first concert and everybody erupts with cheers and applause except some old guy in the front row just kind of sits there with his arms crossed. And the guy, the guy looks at the, up in the front row and he's dejected. And before he can even go to the next piece, he gets up and he walks out to the side. And there's some people on the side going, what's wrong? Because his countenance had dropped so much. And he points to the old guy in the front row. And, and this guy looks and says, one old guy in the front row? Who cares about that guy? Everybody loves you. And he says, yeah, but that one guy is my piano teacher. See, he wasn't playing for the crowd. He was playing for the one. Christian leadership is about playing for the one. It's about looking at your life and saying, no, this is all for Jesus. Yeah, it might not be popular culturally, but let me tell you something. We take a stand for Christ. And I want him to be pleased. Because here at the end of our lives, when we stand before him, and each one's going to receive his commendation from the Lord, my prayer is... That we'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we're living for. I know that's what our pastor's living for. The elders at this church. So what's the second thing? The role of Christian followers. The Apostle Paul then makes this transition then. to, Hey, what's your role then as a follower? Here it is. Followers must view their leaders are from God. He transitions to, to this idea. Now, here's the deal. What happens if they are horrible leaders? Are they still from God? Here's the response. Are you ready? Emphatically, yes. You mean God installs bad leaders? Yes. Why? Because people are human and sinful. I promise I will say something to offend you at some point. As a leader, I promise that Pastor Sean will say something to offend you at some point. I promise that one of our elders will say something or do something that will offend you. Doesn't make them bad leaders. But it's this idea, and look at verses 6 and 7. I have applied all these things to myself and to Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. Now, interesting, underline that in your scripture, beyond what is written. He's talking of the scripture, the Old Testament scripture. Now, remember, this is the first New Testament book written. That none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another, disunity. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? The Apostle Paul is saying that all Scripture guides us to recognize leadership in our role. Romans chapter 13, bring that up. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. It doesn't say good leaders, good authority. It says all authority. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. 
and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, who, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Let me translate this for us. God uses bad leaders to make us more like Jesus Christ. And the worse the leader, the, the, worse, the harder the refinement It's our responsibility in that moment to submit then to that leader. Number two, all leaders are to make you more like Jesus Christ. Romans 8.29, what's God's goal for us? It's not to make our life easy, but to mold us and to make us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Think about the iron or metal being smelted into some sort of form. That's the idea. It's got to get real hot before it can happen. That he's going to conform us, mold us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Job understood this. He said, when he has tested me and tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Job 13, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The role of Christian followers are to view their leaders from God. The role of Christian followers is followers must eliminate their trust in the natural to submit to God's supernatural leaders. God installs the leaders. To disobey a leader is to disobey God. That's hard because I'm an American. It doesn't say you can't disagree with them. It doesn't say you can't hash it out. In fact, I think the best followers are the ones that hash it out with their leaders. Why did you do this? I don't understand this. Why did this happen? It's not blind loyalty. It's the idea that I'm submitting to the follower. Because the leaders are to make me more like Jesus Christ. Followers must eliminate their trust in the natural. What do I mean by the natural? The natural man, the natural... um, Apart from the supernatural work of God. It's that idea they they trust. Psalm chapter 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We've got to to eliminate to recognize that, you know what, God, you have me under this leader for a reason and for a season. And so therefore, I'm going to learn what you want me to learn. And I'm going to conform to your son, Jesus Christ, in this process. And so therefore, we have to eliminate trust in ourselves. We have to eliminate trust in yourself. We have to eliminate trust in your money. We have to eliminate trust in your wisdom. Your earthly wisdom. You have to eliminate trust in your personal leadership. You have to eliminate trust in your power. To eliminate trust in your position. It was the whole idea of the, the, the apostle Paul and his sarcasm. When he's talking to them, he says, we are weak, but you are strong. You were held in honor, but we in disrepute. 
To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. See, the kingdom of God is not natural. It's actually the only way we can live in the kingdom of God and live the way that God has called us to live is to walk into the supernatural. And we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Because my response is when people are mean to me, I want to be mean back. But the Apostle Paul said in Christian leadership and followership to the leaders, when slandered, we entreat. We bless when persecuted, we endure. We've become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Paul cusses there in the Greek. Refuse. Do you guys know what refuse is? Everybody know what refuse is? Elimination. And, it, and, it's, and it's almost, it's a derogatory slang word. We, we have a modern equivalent that I won't share. I do not write these things to make you ashamed. So he, he comes hard. See, followers must view their leaders as spiritual parents. And so he's... So all of a sudden, then he gets parental. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, submitting to your leaders, we've got to recognize that they're from God. We've got to eliminate their, we have to eliminate our trust in our own natural abilities that we know more than they do. Because here's the deal. If God wanted you to be the leader of this church instead of Pastor Sean, then he'll make you the leader of this church. There's nothing we can do to thwart that. So until then, we submit I understand my role. My role is not to be the leader of this church, it's to submit to him. And it's to encourage all of you to submit to him as well. And to the elders of this church. Now, now granted, spiritual leadership in the church is this idea and the way that Coastal's set up is Pastor Sean is the first among equals where he sits around with the elders. He's the last word, but they all sit at the table as equals. They make decisions for the betterment of this church. If God wants you around that table, guess what? He's going to call you around that table. But until then, we submit and, and we look and we are faithful followers. The word of you, them, as spiritual parents. Do you have spiritual parents in your life? Do you have somebody that's older in the faith mentoring you? teaching you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ as a parent would grow and encourage their children. The apostles sacrificed like parents to pave the way. See, the whole idea of apostles, now, I want to talk about the apostles. If you saw the bodily resurrected Jesus, then you would be an apostle. Okay? You don't see the bodily resurrected Jesus and so when they died, the apostles died. And in fact, the apostle Paul kind of discusses this through scripture, and I'm not going to get into that. But the thing I am going to say is that the apostle Paul, as he talks about the apostles, they sacrificed like parents in every single way for the love of their children. Paul for the love of his church. So here's the challenge that the apostle Paul kind of sets out there. He says, find a spiritual father or mother to mentor you. Somebody who's gospel-centered. Somebody's going to challenge you. Submit to them that you would grow. 
And those of you that are older and more mature in the faith, find somebody younger than you and pour into them and teach them what it is to follow Jesus Christ and sacrifice like your parents sacrificed for you if they sacrificed for you. If they didn't, then start a new chapter and sacrifice for them. Because the, goal of, the role of a spiritual follower or Christian follower is to fully trust in the Lord. See, because here's the deal. I can submit to Pastor Sean because I recognize that my submission is to Christ. And I fully trust that the Lord is going to move and work in his life to make him more like Jesus Christ. The elders more like Jesus Christ. So therefore I can submit. It's to fully trust in the Lord so that it is easier to submit and learn from your leaders. So quickly, I want to just, this last little part that the Apostle Paul gives, I want to hit it fast. Because what's the role of Christian leadership? Because I think God is calling some of you to Christian leadership to take your place in our church. Christian leadership is a shared responsibility. Our elders, our pastors, we understand this. Christian leadership is centered on the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul says this in verse 19, But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will, found, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. Verse 20, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Christian leadership is centered on the kingdom of God and God's power, not yours. Luke chapter 17, verse 21, it talks about that the kingdom of God, it's going to come up at some point. There it is. Nor, do you like that? Nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's the idea of having, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's just talking that the focus is the fact that we are people and children of the kingdom of God and that we are all to live according to the kingdom of God. Christian leadership is about law to the proud and grace to the humble. And I'm not going to go into great detail on this, but I want to kind of lay this out. Everyone that says, hey, you know what? I know, I'm arrogant. The Apostle Paul is saying, listen, do I need to come and correct you like a little child with the rod or do I need to come with love and the spirit of gentleness? What he's saying is, if you're arrogant, I'm coming with the rod. If you're humble, I'm coming with love and gentleness. And so if you have a hard heart, got Jesus Christ, look all through the Gospels. Jesus, every time someone comes to, the, to, to the Jesus or to the Apostle Paul, it's law to the break the, heart, the, the, the hard heart. The example is a rich young ruler. Pastor Sean spoke this a number of weeks ago where he said, you know, the rich young ruler, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the law and the prophets? What? But then you look at Acts 16.31 where the Philippian jailer is about to kill himself and, and, the, and he falls before the apostle Paul and says, sir, what must I do to be saved? And what does Paul say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Well, which one is it? You know the law and the prophets or believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? And the answer is Yes. It's law to the proud, grace to the humble. This guy was about to kill himself. There was this brokenness, grace to heal and to forgive the humble. It's a woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Jesus looked at her. 
said, go and do likewise. You know, it's this idea that he's looking and he's saying, go and sin no more. It was this, this, this humility, this brokenness. And so Jesus gave grace. So here's the response to us in Christian leadership as God is calling us to Christian leadership, to greater Christian leadership, is to live like Jesus Christ is king now on earth as he is in heaven. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Christ is king in heaven and one day here on earth. And so we as his followers, as the church of Jesus Christ, here at Coastal Community Church, our responsibility is to live, breathe, eat, sleep as, as if Christ is king now. So how do people in the kingdom live? That's how we're supposed to live now. That's what he was talking about in regards to the apostles. We're servants. We're weak we're viewed as scum, refuse. Remember, go back to chapter 1. Why? Because the way that the cross to those that are perishing is foolishness. Christ died. This is what spiritual leadership is. This is what God is calling us to. The kingdom of God is one kingdom. Pray for servant leaders. Follow your spiritual leaders in word and deed. And join the leadership at Coastal. God is at work here at Coastal calling us to be a part of a unified leadership for the loss that he will save. Anthony Simon. He died this last week and there was no reports, news reports or anything about this man. Most of you probably have never even heard of him. I'm sure most of you have never heard of him. A Christian pastor in Iraq was killed this last week by ISIS on May 30th, 2017, in Erbil, Iraq. He was training pastors and church leaders in Iraq. He moved to Israel a few years back because he wanted to be able to make frequent trips to Iraq with his wife and three children, preaching the gospel, setting up churches. He recognized that there was no higher calling than that of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was killed by those who wanted the gospel to stop and to cease in Iraq. Most of you don't know who he is until now. He left a, a wife and three children because he deemed that the gospel was more important and that God had called him to spiritual and Christian leadership. And he's a hero of mine. I don't even know him. I just know that he was willing to answer the call to do what God had called him to do. To spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to every tribe, tongue, and nation. God's looking for other people to step up and fill in the gap as Antony is in heaven with him. So my question this morning is, will you be one of those that will be willing to stand in the gap? Will you be willing to step up to the place of leadership here at Coastal? It may not cost you your life, but it will cost and if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I man, that's too much. 
My question to you is, if you, have, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's my prayer that God would call you into that relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again from the grave three days later. And because Christ gave his life, we follow his example. And we have the opportunity as well to do that. And I want to give you that opportunity if you've never received Jesus Christ because he followed that example. He set that for us. And how can we do any less? Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. I'm going to have the worship team come up as, as you guys are doing that or come out or wherever. I just want to, I just want to bow our heads and if you don't know Jesus Christ, it's my prayer that you would come to know him this morning. That you would submit to the leadership of Jesus Christ. It's the first step. You would ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you. If you are saved, maybe this message for you is, is to say, Lord, I, I'm ready for that step of leadership. I don't know what it is. I know that Coastal's got needs, but I'm ready to step up, and, and I'm willing, and I will be faithful until you call me, and I will submit until you call me, but prepare me and ready me. Let's pray. If you've never received Jesus, you pray this prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's the humble heart the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me for my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose from the dead. Come into my life and save me. I believe and receive you into my life. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to go to the prayer chapel afterwards. Tell somebody there that I prayed to receive Christ. If you need prayer, I want to encourage you to go to the prayer chapel. Let's pray and let's close. Lord, I just thank you for the men and women that are here, Lord God. I pray that you would call us to something greater, something more. I pray that you would call us to be spiritual leaders and we would recognize and understand what that is. It's to be a servant first. I pray, Lord God, that we would follow you with everything that we are and everything that we hope to be. We love you and we thank you. Make us humble and submissive to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.